Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Bay Heights Pod. This is Jason, and I'm with Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. How are you? Doing all right. So, everybody, if you have any comments, any feedback, any questions, you can reach us at bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can get at us on Twitter and Instagram at bayheightspod. I'd like to hear from all y'all. Um, so, uh, hey, so do you uh, do you stream much? I don't know. I know you're really busy and stuff, just life. But uh, do you watch much, uh, just whether it's Netflix or anything? Just just curious what you're in right now. You, you make it seem like I have no time for, like, anything well, pop culture and... <laughs> But I, I it's, it's understandable, you know, just life's busy, just curious. Uh, we never talked too much about that because I mean, that's a bit on me. But yeah. We just, um, no, you're right. You're right. We um, look, uh, of course, the, the time where you could, and thank goodness for PVR back when we were taping, okay. you know, wrestling every Monday night, right? Yeah. It seems like we had time to kind of watch everything. And now you really have to pick what you, what you, um, what you want so the way it works in my household is kind of my wife and i will have like a show we watch together like ozark um for example and you know she'll watch a big mma fight because i've gotten her into um that okay. and a few other sports and um everything is just me um you know i have my podcasts i have of course streaming content um the only thing and it's funny because we kind of do primarily a, a basketball podcast but you know, if anything, the thing that I'm really um, got my ear to is is MMA, boxing, and okay. even more so pro wrestling. Um, I think I'm. I think with basketball, I don't know about you, but I think it's I think it's almost like like wrestling. Like we watched so much growing up, and we still are in tune with the product that we can. You know, we've kind of seen it all and and we can we can kind of comment we have an opinion that's that's why we 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 do this podcast but to answer your question yeah i mean i got netflix i got uh we just got prime free for a month i don't know if we're going to continue with it okay and um yeah that's pretty much how it is in my household obviously my my kids um uh watch it you know there's no such thing as saturday morning cartoons it's kind of put on netflix put on a kid's profile and (laughs) the world is your oyster it's funny. Um, no, it came to mind because so I'm, I'm a subscriber to Prime Video as well. Like I'm a Prime member, and yeah. uh, somehow just I've already watched it before. Friday Night Lights, the TV series, and then sort of just got sort of sucked back into just rewatching it. You've been um, trying to sell that on me for a while. What's so What's so uh, oh, good okay. about it? I didn't if, know I mentioned it to you. Yeah, okay. what's so good? Because you're not the only one. Um, I did watch okay. the movie. So what's um? Okay. So, give me your give me your elevator pitch. All right. It is a great. It is great at telling human stories in a very realistic manner. It's not hmm. fantasy. It's just if you like stories about people, they do it. Um, they. It's not over the top. It's not meant to be dramatic. It's told in a way that you're meant to to accept that this could be actually almost a, a camera going around this town in Texas, following these people's lives in a way that that's okay. the way it's filmed. Like the camera sort of, I don't know how you describe, I'm not good at explaining how when camera work is like super polished versus if it almost looks like it's just um, like, like, like rough cut or like, 
yeah, yeah. like a POV guy with, um, you in know, a way just, it's okay. like, is somebody just, yeah, walking around filming this. And then the way that the dialogue is formed, it's quite realistic. It almost just seems like natural dialogue. And when you actually look at how, uh, it's Peter Berg, Pete Burns, I forget his name, who was the, who was, uh, directing the show. He would have, here's your talking points. Your job is to know your character and you have to feel your character and believe it. And if you think something's not working, then you just sort of cut away from whatever we're writing in the script. And for the most part, a lot of the dialogue was just sort of them talking. It wasn't like this overproduced um, script. And um, it's just really easy to buy into like all these characters um, and the stories. So, um, and then, so, you know, it's a, just, it's the football team. It's like, it's like the movie, but extrapolated. So telling the different stories of the people in this town and they revolve around this football team. Um, so is it based so, on the same team, the same era uh, as the movie? As the movie? Um, like was it the 80s? Movie Dylan the movie, well, the eighties, if I recall was the, was the Texas team and it was, I think they were 1988, okay. 87. Yeah. So the movie was based on, yeah, it was like the movie was a fictional story based on the, the real story, the real like book, right? Yeah, based on a true story. Yeah. Yes. So the TV series is just a fictional TV series. I mean, gotcha. they're taking the name of the Dylan Panthers, Dill, town of Dylan, which is fictional. Um, mm-hmm. They're fil- They film it in Austin. It's uh, so they it. it you know, so actually, one of my buddies just moved to Austin, so he's like, "Oh yeah, actually, there's a lot of stuff here that it's." It's not over the top. It's not too much of a deviation from what it would okay. be here, being here. So, um, it's. Uh, but anyway, it's very. It's it's an entertaining show. Got into it. So I'm just sort of like maybe I'll watch an episode before I sleep um, each okay. night. Um, very cool. But otherwise, I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I want to make more of an effort to pick up more new stories, more uh, new shows, because just so you know what's going on, it's too easy to become old if you're not following what's current. But uh, but anyway, I'm in that right now. Um, so, dude, we are now into the next installment of our 2003 redraft series. We covered what if LeBron were to have gone to Toronto because that we uh, in the first installment. Just to understand what all what all those ramifications were. Now we're kind of looking at the Chris Bosh and the premise. Just to recap for people, the premise of the redraft is like the 2003 draft had. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade all going in the top four out of five positions. We'll ignore Darko Milicic, who never quite lived up. And so what I posited the idea was like, well, I mean, it's these lottery teams, and it's just a few bounces of a ball. Any one of the teams could have ended up in one, two, three, four. And you had these four really great players who projected to be really good. And really, who knows where they could have ended up. And so it would be a fun conversation to figure – to just – examine that well what happens if Bosch doesn't go to Toronto and that's where we're going to really kind of cover now what happens if Cleveland doesn't get the number one pick which we covered in the first pod so um so that's just where what this is about now Chris Bosch I'll just give a quick few highlights just to recap for anybody who forgot about what he's done it's been a while two-time NBA two-time NBA champion 11-time NBA all-star he made the all-NBA second team once 2007 with the Toronto Raptors and he had a 13-year career, and he eventually had to it was cut short because of blood clots. So that sort of cut him, I would say, at his peak, yeah, in Miami. Um, and he, how he entered the league, he was drafted at number four by the Toronto Raptors in 2003. You've pointed out the backstory, which I'll actually uh, that Vince didn't really want him 
as the as the choice, the the, the fourth pick. Um, can you, do you recall actually the what Vince wanted? Because that's what I realized. I, I remember he didn't really want Bosch, but what did he want with that fourth pick? He, he's probably. I think Vince was in such diva mode at that point that you're right. I don't want Chris Bosch. Well, what do you want? Because. I mean, all the other players were gone at that point. Like, like, there's no way he could have. No one knew that Dwayne Wade would be the player that he was. Um, so, no, well, did, you, okay. Vince, Vince never specified who he wanted. Or did he want to? Did he want to trade? Did he want it to be just traded for a player? I or? mean, it's 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 possible, but I think okay. Vince was having his Shawn Michaels. He was having <laughs> okay. Shawn Michaels moment where. Okay. He wanted to be Booker. He was one day he had a smile, one day he didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, needless to say, and listen, I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge the guy because, yeah, I mean, Chris Bosch, we weren't Toronto wasn't too high on him. I mean, he was, right. and, and it took him a, f- a few years to to pan out. So, um, yeah. Vince wanted to win right then and there, and as we all know, he was getting really itchy, and that yeah. itch turned into a trade. So. It's 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 very consistent with what he was going through at the time, and we've mentioned before the kind of management that Toronto has at the time. So yeah. I, I'm not I'm not blaming Vince, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't want to context. What, what, yeah, well, what 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 do you want, Vince? Well, he he never had a good answer for that either. So the Vince was traded one year later, um, so it ended up being okay, pretty good in the end that they did draft Chris Bosh when they could. Um, because of what it turned out, let's for, forgetting the counterfactuals for a second. Chris Bosh became the multiple-time All-Star for Toronto, and it was really interesting because the fact that Vince left a year later, you almost wonder if you're in the front office. Okay, as, as mismanaged as we know that franchise was at that at that point in time, did they kind of see? You know what? I think Vince might be out of here in a year or two. Let's just pick the player we want at number four because that player is going to be around. So let's just not worry too much about Vince right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case, but it just came to mind as we talk about this because a year later, Bosch, um, Vince is gone. Bosch is now kind of going to be the centerpiece of this Raptors team. And you, mm-hmm. when I put it in historical context, that's actually a pretty important role that Bosch had for that team. And because the Grizzlies had just left Vancouver three years before that. And these, these, these I mean, I don't know if Toronto would ever get to a point where it was that risky, but let's say you don't have a star fills in for Vince and all of a sudden you you're three years removed from the other Canadian team being gone and you don't have someone who comes in who if Bosch doesn't step up and become a multiple multiple time all-star then what does Toronto become does it just become a Timberwolves team does it become another Grizzlies team which is at risk of even does it put some doubt into whether or not an NBA franchise can exist outside the U.S. so so anyway so I just think it just came to mind about how Bosch's role with the Raptors, a pretty important one, even if it wasn't going to result in championships. Um, so um, before I talk, kind of ask you some questions about scenarios, just do you have any um, specific fond, um, whatever, or striking memories of Bosch in the draft and or his subsequent career come to mind? Or I liked the Bosch years in Toronto. I know they were head scratchers. I know he, um, you know, he got bodied by Dwight Howard in in a second playoff appearance. Um, I forget what year it was, and it was very. But I was always like, "Look, this is a stupid sports town, being Toronto. 
And it's not like the Leafs were world beaters. It's not like the Jays were world beaters. And I was okay personally with, you know, Raptors getting their 40 wins and, you know, having some really exciting uh, regular season games. I mean, they, they were, you know, the Bosch years, I always remember, you know, his 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 peak as a prime player was kind of happening when Boston's big three came. And Boston was just, they were supposed to murder the Raptors every time and, and they, they kind of did but there was times that were like Bargnani and Bosch they were like you know they had some piss and vinegar in them and I was just very like I liked I like watching that you know they just didn't just roll over and die and um and Sam Mitchell you can say what you want about him but he kind of did get some players like you know he, he did give some rah-rah moments and I felt like they overachieved at times so yeah look if you're looking for you know I guess the Raptors in a lot of ways during the Chris Bosch years, they were handing out a lot of participation medals and that was fine by me. Again, everything, everything in context as, as Toronto is a sports city, um, you know, the, the, the Leafs once this, once they, once hockey resumed after the player lockout strike, they were abysmal. They were very disappointing. Um, the Jays were not good. Um, and, in many ways, Chris Bosch, there were times where he was the most over guy in the city. Absolutely. Okay. Um, especially yeah, that's a good the, point. Especially yeah. the year or the year and a bit before he left. He came out with a documentary. He just played on Dream Team. He got his big back tattoo and he made a I don't know, some 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 documentary about that, inked or whatever. Um, he was on Bob McCowan's show and they had an hour long conversation. So this city was very much invested with Chris Bosch, which is why when people, you know, like to laugh at the Chris Bosch years, like, oh, yeah, I remember those years. Like, give me a break. You were part of it and you were loving it. So that's how I make it the Chris Bosch years. I'm a glass half full guy. So, yeah. You know, for me, it was it was fond memories. Raptors fans definitely over-indexed on Bosch during his reign because they were like, "Oh, look, we got a we got an All Star, we got the replacement for Vince Carter, and these guys just they're on their way up." And there were and, and there was some promise, and like in their when they just started making the playoffs. So, mm -hmm. all right, man. So, okay, here's the first scenario that kind of comes to mind. You know, if we're mixing it up, so Darko Milicic, he's, he's going to come up in every one of these series because if you were to do this draft. <laughs> A hundred different times with the simulations, whether it's the order gets changed or the teams get to draft with the same knowledge they had back then. Draft like no new knowledge. It's Darko in two thousand three, and they're drafting players. Majority of the time, I'm not. I'm just not thinking that they're the majority of the time. They're going to pick one of the four players we're going to talk about in Darko's place at number two. So let's say Darko doesn't go number two, and then so then it's Dan It was uh, Detroit that gets to pick. Um, that that gets to pick uh, the number two spot. Oh, sorry, Darko doesn't have a good number two. Detroit's going to pick Carmelo. So Carmelo goes to Detroit. Bosch goes up one to Denver. So if Bosch is in Denver, what um what kind of career? What kind of play? Like how are you envisioning that rolling out? Like through the next say seven years. Think think. Just assume first that a player is going to be with the team seven years, and then beyond, who knows what? I don't see. Him, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm assuming he plays a couple years with Iverson. Yeah, those, so let's yeah. say let's just keep that constant. Hey. For a second. So now it's Iverson yeah. and Bosch together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is that a is that a strong like 
Do they no. complement each other enough to be okay? It's probably. Do you think not. that they become a less successful team than the Carmelo Nuggets? Like with yes. Uh, okay, you yes. know what? Sorry, the Carmelo and Iverson didn't make it to the Western Conference Finals, but they were exciting team before, mm-hmm. like otherwise. Okay, fair enough. So, you, so perhaps so. Yeah, like. I guess you kind of see the Raptors like it wasn't. I guess it's a situation where we're saying, Bosch, we got out of Bosch what we could have in that Raptors team, and if he went to the Nuggets, it would have been about the same as well. Yeah. Do you think that putting it this way, that when when you had Iverson and Melo there, you also had guys like um, Dante Jones, Carmelo. I'm um, sorry, uh, Marcus Camby. Um, I think Nene was there maybe at the same time. I'm not sure. Um, I think you're right. And and so there was definitely a toughness and a swagger to these individual players. Now, whether or not they they should have been that confident, but you just I, whenever I looked at the Nuggets teams with Carmelo, like they didn't look soft. I know you don't like that word, but they didn't look like they were just indifferent on the court. Whereas the Raptors teams, whenever they went up against really strong teams, they looked like they were going to get beat from the tip off. Whereas the Nuggets teams, I was always curious how they're going to do. So I wonder it's, if that would have rubbed off on Bosch and he would have become a much more aggressive player, much more. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's here's the thing. I think I think with Bosch, he did get roughed up a lot, but it never it never phased him. I mean, like okay. Amari would posterize him. Uh, Kevin Ke, uh, Kevin Garnett would would you know body him. Carlos Boozer would body him, but. Hey, he's still picking up 20 and 10, you know. It, there's something about Chris Bosh. And, and it's funny because, um, uh, don't mean to deviate, but the, the big thing with Chris Bosh was he apparently decided to put on like 20 or 30 pounds of muscle because he hated the way he looked on Dream Team compared to some of his contemporaries and, and some of the other international players. But then when he went back to Miami, he slimmed down again. It was like maybe that was a Chris Bosh thing that he might have had some insecurities that that um, about his play. But I never saw it. I never saw him as a guy that he probably knew in his head that, yeah, these guys, I'm not really a center. I'm kind of a point guard. Sorry, I'm kind of a power forward, but I play more like a three. Like he's kind of, you know, it was, it was, it was still, um, he was still lost among the really powerful guys in the league. But I never saw that as him. Um, it, it, it never phased him enough for him to be, um, timid in any way. So you're right. I think maybe the way you just laid it out that a Nuggets team might have taken a Bosch who's not afraid, but at the same time, he's um, maybe not sure of himself either. And maybe it, it would have done him some good. Yeah. Like just, I don't know. You just sort of get this fire. It just, and then yeah. the thing, the question is, do you think that he would have still been multiple time all-stars the way he was in Toronto? If, no, uh, because... I think I think it's easier once once you put up a certain amount of points, you're going to get all star consideration, you know. Um, so yeah, because he's not the best player in Denver at the time, it would have been hard for him to make. Um, that's kind of the gift and the curse with with Chris Bosh. I always he was Toronto's best player when he was here, but he was never better than Vince at that number one. He's not a good number one option. He's, right. I, th- I think Chris Bosch, if we're making a short list, maybe Clay Thompson there, Chris Bosch might be the best number three player of all time. Um, he's, and, and, and people might, 
think of that as like, is that a good thing? It's like, I, I think it's a good thing. I think, I think there's a yeah, lot of, I think there's a lot of, if you're taking a lot of big threes out there, three, uh, um, third members of a championship team and, and you're the best out of that three, I would, I would make a case that he's, um, he's top one or two. You know, um, the point about making the all-star NBA, he was a starter. Um, which means he got voted in. And I think what actually kind of gets, it doesn't really get mentioned by the media, even the Toronto media doesn't mention it, but it's actually quite an advantage to play for the Raptors when it comes to all-star votes, because, okay, I know people are going to say, well, you got the whole country of 30 million people voting for you. Okay. That's one thing. And it's only one team in Canada. But if you look only at the Toronto size of Toronto itself, the city too is about 5 million people, six, depending on however you draw the lines around the GTA. There are not many metropolitan areas in North America that are that size. And so if you're playing for a home team, you get more votes when you play for Toronto, Dallas, Chicago. Um, Like the Bay Area is actually only like, okay, well, actually, if you spread it out, it ends up being kind of similar. It's still smaller. It's still smaller than Toronto area. So so I think that, that. yeah, like San Francisco itself only has Mm. 800,000 in the city proper. Really? So pretty small. Yeah. So when you look at the votes that happened in in the recent election, it's like 400,000 people voted in in San Francisco itself. That's like roughly like when you look at totaling up for Trump and for uh, um, Biden and a bunch of the other candidates, the third independent candidates. So when you think about that, it's just really a narrow set of cities where you can just say, okay, our city has so many more fans who can vote. So Kyle Lowry, um, or Demar Derozan, Vince, and Vince. Bosch, Vince, obviously Vince, right? So, so it, it kind of helps. It does help when you play in bigger cities to get all star votes. So when Bosch plays for Denver, you have to be that much more exciting and that much more exceptional to get that many more votes to, from outside your market, like Carmelo Anthony was and Allen Iverson was. Um, last question about Denver is: Okay, so Chauncey Billets gets traded to Denver at one point. If Chauncey plays with Bosch, like I, uh, I, I, I kind of like that. I kind Me of too. I think that's think magic. That, yeah, right? I think mm-hmm. that um, – I don't know if they beat that Lakers team because that Lakers team was really good. Because even with Carmelo – well, with Carmelo, they were really good. At, quite possibly could have beaten that Lakers team. But if you have – and also those two personalities of Carmelo – I mean, um, of Bosch and Chauncey, they kind of mesh in some way. Like when it comes to just – when I think of players who might co- be cohesive and yeah. work together, I almost think that. And I think that Chauncey is this leader and then a lot of that sort of rubs off on Bosch. In some ways you wonder like what happens later on because what happened later on in the Mellow sense was Mellow forced a trade to go to New York. I don't know that Bosch necessarily does that. Mellow wanted to be in New York in the bigger market and his wife was a reality TV star or still is. And Bosch, if he had a good enough thing and Bosch left Toronto because he wasn't getting recognition and he wasn't really winning right right so he's been playing in the U.S. already in Denver which is kind of it's closer to Texas assuming that they have a really good team and can kind of keep winning and he's getting recognition then maybe he doesn't leave Denver because he was pretty loyal to Miami like I know his career got cut short after but he was looking for that kind of situation I kind of wonder if uh, in Denver he might have found that if they just got that right that right side, the right number two beside him, like Chauncey, because with all due respect to Bagnani and Calderon, I just will hold Chauncey few oh, steps higher. Yeah. Yes. And and little things too, right? Maybe Chauncey would have said, hey, bro, what are you doing this summer? 
you're going to work on a three point shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know, right now, don't don't you dare come into a training camp without that. When did Bosch meet his his wife? She's interesting. Oh, because uh, because okay. the reason why I say this is because Denver doesn't seem like it would cut it for her. I feel like oh. the reason why Bosch stayed in Miami was because he married who he married and she okay. was a bit weird. I mean, she would, didn't they have like a stripper at their wedding or something like that? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not judging. Okay. I mean, this, that's just, you know, I, okay. I love, okay. I love that American shit uh, stuff that, you know, it's, it's just, Hey, we're a bunch of millionaires and we're going to do stuff that, you know, is, is going to be newsworthy and we're going to have, yeah, he had some. He had some really. Maybe it was his bachelor party. I'm not sure, but it was really. <laughs> Chris Bosch had an interesting. He had a few interesting social uh, gatherings. Put it that way, and I don't All think right. that happens in Denver. I think that him, his wife, were a package, and they had to be in a city like Miami, Chicago, New York, L.A. Um, type of thing. I don't think right. Denver quite. Something well, about, she's from Indiana. I just looked her up now. Originally, that's fine. And that's that, that's I, fine. She's from Indiana. There's there, how's the how's the song go? Small town girl, you know, like okay. they, they all they all leave their little. They all come from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and end up going to you know L.A. or something like that, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll just say, I I think for Bosch, winning was like. He would. I think that would really stuck out for him because he wasn't getting a chance for shine and I'm for just winning wondering, in Toronto. But, I'm just wondering. But that's a valid point. Yeah, I just want kind of say he has right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it might be. It might be that. Um, yeah, she just she was. Up, right? yeah. she's like, hey, I, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Do you remember Doug Christie? Yeah. Uh, apparently, like, Please yeah, royalty. his 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 wife like oh. pretty much dictated his career, right? So. <laughs> Um, that happened to also what's his name uh, John Tavares his wife had a job in Toronto or something like that oh really I don't know I'm I sure, think man. like because they're he's from Oakville is he from Oakville I think so he's but, from um, Oakville yeah he's from Oakville yeah. Yeah. so yeah. like I think you know they had ties to back home you find that I find that happens more with hockey players oh, I want to go back to my hometown in Canada or whatever but I don't know but the NBA, you don't really hear that as much. Like, oh, I want to go back to my hometown. It was just LeBron felt obligated, but other than that, most guys just want to go play in LA, right? Yeah, I don't think I don't think LeBron. I, no one's telling LeBron what he's doing, but you you can definitely see that there are certain types of guys, depending on who their life partner is, can kind of make those decisions, right? Denver, Toronto, Miami. Hmm, I wonder, right? So, I think that oh. it's it's very possible that she had a lot of say in him Actually, at least staying in Miami. Yeah. I think what I understand, and LeBron went back to Akron, or was his wife, did, well, it was going to be LeBron's decision, but the idea from her angle, her preference was, oh, you can be near family, be closer to family and stuff. But I think that was kind of, it was mentioned at one point, I thought I read somewhere, and there was a lot of things I read, right. um, which similarly, why do you go to LA? Because your kid can play yeah. elite competition in high school. That was it. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next scenario I want to throw by you, is Toronto? It's it's like you have Chris Bosh, who is I think three years at Georgia Tech, stellar. And then you also have Dwayne Wade, who has a really great run in the tournament for Marquette. Toronto could easily have picked Dwayne Wade. I don't I don't buy into when people say, oh, we could have a Dwayne Wade. Okay, well, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade ended up being teammates and winning together. They were both 
or like ended up being also a solid one-two punch for like the time, the brief period of time they played together with when bought when uh, LeBron had left. So it's not like oh we get Dwayne Wade at the the fate of the franchise just dramatically changes. Okay, I know that Wade won that ring, but it wasn't just him. He had Pat Riley and Shaq and a lot of other guys. So putting that aside, if 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 Toronto had picked Wade at number four and Bosch mm-hmm. falls to number five and goes to Miami. Think about that kind of situation um, for a second here. First questions about Bosch's individual career, just recapping it. Um, I think that he, I think that actually he could, uh, he might actually have a good shot at still making, I don't know about as many all-star games, but still by putting, putting aside the big three era, just go for the first seven years where it's just him and whoever Pat is and Mick Garrison are going to kind of put on the team with him. I think he still has a shot at making some all-star teams and all NBA teams because you're getting to that kind of factory there and they're going to sort of get you in shape. They're going to train you how to play real basketball and you're going to like people who go to Miami, it's kind of like when I'm going to one of those like strong companies where you just become a better talent to go elsewhere. And so I do have faith that Bosch would have had um, a stel- as stellar or even a stronger individual uh, uh, resume if he'd gone to Miami. What do you think about that? It's possible. It's also very possible that he puts up the same numbers and just doesn't get the all-star appearances because, yeah, uh, yeah like you mentioned before, hmm. it's all-star votes. It's context. Yeah, and just okay. you know. Let me let me add some context to why I think that is is why I think his individual quote unquote individual would stand out. Is this is I guess where the team element comes in. I think Pat Riley, Mickey Harrison, they would have because those guys are not just sort of dithering around the way to the Toronto front office was in the mid two thousands. I don't know if it would be Shaq, but he would have figured, okay, we've got this top five prospect out of Georgia tech. Who's one of those. He's the future of what power forwards are going to look like. Cause I believe that guys like Spolstra and Riley can actually think that they're like, okay, this is where the game's going. This is what we're going to do. They're going to plan ahead. They would have figured out what the players were that they needed to, to put on that team. And let's just kind of think through who they actually did end up getting. Right. Cause for a period of time, they had Mike, wasn't Mike baby. No, they had uh, Jason Williams, it's Shaq. Okay, Shaq's the obvious one. Let's think. Does it matter if Shaq is, does, would they go for Shaq to bring him on the team? And would that work with Shaq and Bosch? I kind of think so. I think that just takes attention, bigs away from Bosch and then puts it on Shaq. And Bosch, it works great for Bosch's outside game because Bosch always used to like to take all those 16 foot jumpers inside the two point line. Mm-hmm. And just, he would just be dropping those whenever, whenever Shaq would draw double teams. It's possible. And then, you know, with Bosch there, do you really need. Alonzo Mourning and Antoine Walker coming uh, to compliment. Um, one thing well, we forgot about... They become mentors to Bosch. Again, it maybe. goes back to the toughening him up and showing him this is how you be a professional. This is how you... And just a bit like Tyler Heroes, like learning how to be a professional right now in the world-class organization. That's kind of what like, I'm picturing. I like George Carl as his first coach better than Stan okay. Van Gundy. If I'm getting my <laughs> yeah, yeah. correct. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if a Stan Van Gundy like just ruins this kid's career right away but, just okay so then let's say um what happens is is pat riley because Dwayne mm-hmm. wade's quite a quite a he's chicago tough he uh okay like he's he's handling all whatever's handling in miami pat riley let's say bosch a little quieter potentially he's, he's going to internalize things a bit more the way let's just say that and then pat riley sees what's going on with stan and bosch and he just pulls the plug on stand much faster yeah it's just like not like it's like it's not working he's out so then you think that that kind of saves bosch then yes 
Yeah. yeah. Like, cause I, mean, I, I think that's what would happen. I, I'm, I'm not even saying that Stan ruins this guy's career, but like, you know, Stan has Something. had so many, yeah, he's had so many bad marriages in the NBA. <laughs> and, and the, these are just from star players who, who have the platform to speak up. Right. We're talking about Shaq and Dwight. Um, what did Shaq say about Stan? Well, didn't isn't Shaq the reason, kind of the reason why um, Pat Riley was brought in to to coach him okay. next year in so Miami? That so from a previous pod, I was mentioning how I was in Shanghai when I was like, oh, it's live on TV. The, the he just won the pistol. I, I was just doing my life in China at that point. I wasn't right. following the NBA at all in that year, so I didn't know what happened with Shaq. But okay, fair enough. Shaq wouldn't surprise me. Shaq kind of had a fall. I, 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 I think I, I think. I think Stan is a much more emotional coach that, <laughs> as it relates to star players. That's not to say, again, I go, go back to, I'm not saying he's going to ruin Chris Bosch's career. I'm just saying that you're a rookie. It's a question mark. You're a rookie. You're a second or a third year player. You're playing for yeah. a bad coach. You're going to eat it. Whereas a guy who's won three championships is, is not going to take it. And especially when he can go <laughs> to Pat Riley. I mean, that's the thing, right? Go, having, it's, it's, it's like, it's like um, it's like Paul Heyman's the Booker of Raw, and you don't like him, and you can just go to Vince McMahon if you wanted to, right? You just say, "Fuck this guy, <laughs> I'm gonna step over you because you know you might be yeah. the Booker, but I'm also been with this company for a long time. I'm gonna go talk to the boss because I, I have that. Like, I'm a star player, I'm a star wrestler, I'm afford that um, ability, so." Uh, you know, just again, I, I we've talked about Chris Bosch, what I think were some insecurities early in his career um, before he got to Miami, especially with his body and how he's going to play. And like you said, this is Chris Bosch was what power forwards were going to look like in 2020 back in 2003. So it's very possible that a coach like Stan Van Gundy, who might have one foot in the past is saying like, no, man, we, you need to put on 30 pounds of muscle. I need you averaging 14 rebounds a game um, and try and get those two, three blocks a game. And, you know, you, you're you not leaving this gym until you can be Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett the next game type of thing, right? Yeah, you, you never know if that yeah. could have happened. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And just going back a bit about, so you talk about some of the tough players like Lonzo Mourning, just kind of setting a good example for Bosch. And then also he'd be coming into the league with Udonis Haslam. And that's interesting. Do they put the same position as Udonis Haslam a center? Haslam was a, if I recall, Haslam was a starter on that championship team. But was he a center or power forward? That's what I'm trying to think. Because Shaq would be the center, unless he... I'm thinking it was so it was Wade, Jason Williams, Haslam, Shaq, and who am I missing? Okay, so that means Haslam would be the power forward, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's playing Shaq. So, kind of interesting thing there. Like, you wonder does UD become anything for the Heat if you get Bosch? And maybe not. Maybe that's an alternate reality for you, Donors Haslam. I, I, um, I, th- I, think, I think Haslam is. He's the, he's the, he's one of like he for me when I think of like a Swiss Army knife like a utility player that guy fits in so many teams okay. he he was there for he well he was there for both runs right just like Wade yeah um yeah. and um I see him being Haslam always struck me as like 
maybe it's because he looks like he's 40 even when he was 20 i always i always i always pictured him as kind of like this guy that would impart wisdom not really hearing too many interviews or knowing much about x's and o's of his game just just the way he rubbed off i i think that he's always just been a positive player even if he too was a rookie i could see him helping uh chris bosh who is i'm assuming they're okay. more or less the same age yeah I think, uh, yeah, the high character of the aspect of him, it's probably what kept him in, it's probably what got him in the league and kept him around the heat for such a long time, even today, right? Because yeah. there's only so many roster spots. And if you're just, you're not necessarily contributing in the most technical sense, then there's some other intangibles as to why they want you on the court, like, you know, putting your arm around that other player, getting them to be their best. So, Absolutely. yeah. So perhaps he probably still has his run in, in Miami, but it's just, mm-hmm. uh, it, it he almost becomes like a Brian Scalabrini or something like that. But yeah. Um, uh, so um, if, so then, okay. So then they're run. It's, an, it's a, that, that now Bosch goes to Miami, that just spins everything like the whole NBA universe on his ex- access, because I don't think like LeBron and Bosch never really had a relationship before going to Miami from what I understand. Oh, dream um, team, right? Well, yeah, but they were on the same team. But by and large, my understanding is, is like, it's, they're just, Bosch kind of joins it. But the real relationship was LeBron and Wade and, okay. you know, and, and whenever, because it's just kind of like when you think about any group of friends that kind of meet up, the dynamic sometimes between different friends is different. Like sometimes there's four friends and two of them aren't really that close. So if they're left in the room together, they're not there's not as much for them to talk about one-on-one. Gotcha. It's the dynamic of four or five people together where it comes alive, right? Yeah. They like each other, but it's different. So um, that's my understanding about Bosch and, and LeBron. So it's, I want to wonder, I, I can't, I can't blow my, I think it blows my brain to think, okay, well, if LeBron doesn't, if, if, if Bosch is in Miami, then does the decision end up in Miami? I don't know about that. Maybe so. Maybe it's like they had the cap space. They're getting it in Miami. You have Dwayne Wade up in Toronto. It's like, who's definitely not staying in Toronto? Like, no. Um, but then again, uh, we, we made that. Well, we'll get to Dwayne Wade. I, you've heard, I've kind of made a point about Dwayne Wade, about what it would be if you're in Toronto. We'll get there in a Dwayne Wade pod. But, um, but yeah, I, I think if I were to think about it, the Miami situation is probably the best possible where – for Bosch, I actually think that would have been the best team for him to get onto if he were uh, out of those four, five that could have drafted him. If if he wasn't going to win a championship, then yeah, I agree. He yeah. was going to get the best mentoring, um, really, really yeah. good city, good ownership, good management, and he probably would have put up some really good numbers, the same as in Toronto. Um, oh, I actually, don't know if- I might take it back. Let me okay. ask you this question. We, we talked about him if he ended up on Denver. If he ends up in Miami and he does whatever he does, like we expect, as he did in Toronto, because it took him, like you said, it took him a few years to sort of find his footing in Toronto. Maybe that's a bit on Toronto and less on Bosch, but let's say Pat Riley is like, okay, now we have this asset and we're going to get Shaq. Does Bosch just become a trade piece to get something else? Like, you know, doing well. Yeah, I don't know. Because I'm, well, I kind of wonder about that. I kind of lean toward that maybe early on right Bosch hadn't bloomed, hadn't blossomed yet Wiggins. yeah it, it it reminds me a lot of uh Wiggins being traded for um oh yeah right we yeah. knew that Wiggins was going to be a good player 
Um, and there was a chance that he could be a world beater, but mm, too bad, buddy. You're, you're, you're still you're, a rookie, yeah. You're, yeah. you're a trade piece right now, and, and Bosch would have been that because however good the projection may have been for Chris Bosch, you have a chance to get not, not just a former champion in Shaquille O'Neal, but a guy oh. who's looking to, like, you know, I, he, I meant he had. You would, he'd be a trade to get something else to pair with Shaq because Shaq was coming through that other trade that they had. And then you're like, hey, we're going to have shit where we're like, I know Shaq Cherry came later, but if you had the asset and you're thinking down the line, Shaq comes like a year or two later. And then Pat's like, okay, I got Shaq and I got Bosch. Okay, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to trade Bosch away and get someone else to play with Shaq. Again, I think that's a decision on what you would get for Chris Bosch and yeah, knowing know. yeah. knowing that you, again, going back to what I was going to say, you do have a Shaq that's looking to win without Kobe Bryant. Yeah. He was probably, because, uh, you know, he was such a journeyman after the Miami Heat. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. His, his, you know, his weight would fluctuate. It was just, you know, he was, he was kind of, um, we've said in a previous pod how guys can just become unwinnable and almost if their careers are, their careers are poker chips. So congratulations, you won four rings, but my God, like give it all back. Like you're the rest of your career was kind of laughable. Um, but, but that was not Shaq when he came to Miami. And I think Pat Riley knew that. And so at that time it was, we're going to get Shaquille O'Neal. He's pissed off. He's in shape. Um, he wants to win. Whatever I got to do to compliment him and to make the big man happy, I'm going to do it, right? And if that means trading Bosch, then you trade Bosch. And I think, as we talked about Denver, um, I actually think the way we framed it, where you know he maybe get a bit of toughness from those other players like Nene and Dante Jones, and then the leadership of Chauncey, and you talked about George Carl. Yeah, I actually think Bosch... Um, he would have had the best kind of career had he been drafted by Denver, actually, when you think about it. Um, he would have got playing time, and Masai would have been his GM. I, think. I was just going to say, when was Masai's timeline? How long, yeah, has, Masai been in the, how long has Masai oh. been in the NBA? Oh, man, I don't know, because he started off as an assistant in Toronto, and then he took the GM position in Denver. And then he was there. He, I don't recall if he drafted Carmelo, but he was definitely the guy who orchestrated the Carmelo trade to New York. Interesting. So he just fleeced New York three times, right? Or tried to three times. Like first yeah. the Carmelo trade to New York and then the Bargnani trade to New York and then almost the Kyle Lowry trade to New York, which ended up working out in his favor. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You got to wonder. It's like you're playing uh, poker with someone and they keep beating you. At some point, you just stop playing poker with them. But Do you really – can you imagine if you're – he's kind of like the Grin Reaper, Masai Ujiri. <laughs> like, hey, we just got Masai Ujiri. Oh, shit. I'm going to be in every single trade rumor for the rest of my career in this city. Right. Because that's, that's what Masai does. It's, 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 it's business for him. It's look, man, I have oh. a mandate and uh, you know, you're, you're going to meet a lot of rumors and I might, Oh, congratulations. You just had an MVP season too bad. I'm trying to trade you for you know, <laughs> two first round picks. Right. Fair enough. I mean, granted that was, I mean, that was uh, Carmelo who really pushed that out. Otherwise I don't think they really would have wanted to trade him, but um all right, so um, that's that's what I was going to cover because I think those are the most salient possibilities, like without just spinning the whole world off into a different access. But uh, is there anything else that kind of popped into your head about uh, with uh, counterfactuals around Chris Bosch? 
I'm just trying to think of a scenario where, you know, because, because I do think of Chris Bosch as this great, one of the greatest complimentary players of all time. Okay. I'm just, I'm trying to think of a scenario where he just becomes, you know, a better number one, number one, a option maybe. And I really can't think of it. And Vince staying in Toronto it's funny because you and I have had this debate. I put Chris Bosch as, you know, the fourth greatest Raptor of all time. Yeah, yeah I, I, I put I, I put him ahead of Vince because I see greatness in being able to be more malleable and to be a better teammate and to be complimentary among stars. I actually don't know if I put Vince Carter in the NBA Hall of Fame. To be quite honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, yeah. I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But, okay, well, uh, hot take. It's it's you know I think the NBA packages and videos and farewells and if we ever get past all this COVID nonsense, I mean he's probably going to have this crazy farewell tour where you know bunch of cities hang his jersey. So we might still be the minority opinion, but yeah, Chris Bosh, I, I don't know. It's does Vince stay? Does do they have a better? Do they have a better run in Toronto? And then when Barnani finally comes, it all really depends on Vince, right? And I don't think Vince was having any of that. So, um, yeah, I don't have much to say about. I think Chris Bosch was always going to. He was always going to be the player in Miami that he became. That was the best version of himself, even if he did take a dip in stats. Um, but that was that's what he was put on this earth to be. Man was just this guy that comes along. It's like. Hey, we got two other Hall of Fame guys, possibly the greatest player to ever play, and he was third wheel, and that's where he was going to be. So, um, I I I don't know that there's much else to say about the career of Chris Bosh except that. Yeah, given the options that were there in 2003 and that top of that draft, I think um, there was no perfect situation, Um, uh, but there were some decent ones. If I were to wait, like wait as in um, scale where those scenarios were versus Toronto, I think Denver actually would have been better than what he ended up getting in Toronto. Um, I think so. What do you think about, what do you think? Because Chris Bosh and DeRozan did overlap for a little bit. Yeah, they did a little bit. What what do you think would have happened had Chris Bosh stuck around for, my God, the... um, Landry Fields, and then oh. you know, and then and then the Rudy Gay, and then we finally get Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry needs needs a year. Basically, if Chris Bosh is able to make it to the Masai era, okay, the Dwayne Casey era, and, and he doesn't get a blood clot, and he doesn't get a blood clot, I think that we might have a hell of a team there because I don't know if we need to draft Jonas Valanciunas at that point. Um, but those three players that that might be an interesting core that that those guys might do some damage. So there's a few different things to think about. Is Bosch okay? So we're we're making quite a few assumptions here. One is that he was going to be prompted to pick up a three point shot. I don't know that he was going to. I think they would have ex- they would have maybe expected Demar to do that. I, there's a bit of overlap. I don't know if the fits there. To be honest, I just don't know. I think that. Bosch had it had to go, and Toronto had to suck a bit for them to sort of rise up out of the ashes to become what they did. I have trouble picturing Bosch being part of that, part of that uh, that team. I do wonder about this though: is 
the Raptors could have had within a in this kind of five, seven-year time frame, Damon Stoudemire, Marcus Camby, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, Chris Bosh. That could have been your five. They've drafted all five of those players within mm-hmm. from like 95 to 2003. Bosh could have been a young rookie on a team like that. That would have been a really good team. That would have been a really good team if they could have kept all those different guys and have to keep trading them away. It's it's crazy that you mentioned all those players, and I still think Chris Bosh is like the best teammate out of all of them because the way Damon left, the way Marcus Camby left, and then yeah, I don't know if you remember the way Marcus Camby left, but as soon as he left, he just wrote like an op-ed in the post about how <laughs> terrible Coach Walker was. Not Coach Walker, Coach Carter was. Okay. And there was a lawsuit involved, and <laughs> no, I don't remember um, any of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was during the playoffs actually. Um, when the <laughs> okay. Knicks, when the Knicks played the Raptors, it was really awkward. Um, it, it's it's funny how you mentioned all those players, and I think that yeah, you know, little Chris Bosh, he's not little, but you know what I mean. It's like he's he's like he's like the darling for me out of that cast of characters you just mentioned. It's like yeah, I mean. That's a different, yeah. I was talking about something a bit different, just really on the on the raw skills and what they kind of mm-hmm. contributed. And but in terms of character as a teammate, as a as a guy yeah. in the organization, yeah, for sure. Chris Bosh was just a constantly professional. No one really mm-hmm. has ever said anything bad about him. Never yeah. any any real criticism, right? So, I agree, man. All right, dude, this is great. Everybody, just let us know what uh, you think about Bosh and what it might have been what might have happened if he'd been drafted by any of the other teams in 2003 love to hear you bayheightspot at gmail.com at bayheightspot on twitter and instagram thanks everyone good night